ladies and gentlemen. It's true. All the rumors are true. Jason Pridmore is back on the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com, where you can get any legal information you need. You need some legal help. You got a contract. You got something going on. You're involved in a motorcycle accident. You need some representation. Bike911.com. Alex Asante is our boy. Jason Pridmore, welcome back to the podcast. Your absence left a big, gaping donut hole in the uh-huh. middle of a donut. It's all right. Donut. Like one of the ones donut. you were, one out of the bucket of donuts that you're eating at Brainerd? Let me tell you something about that bucket of donuts, pal. How good were hey, they? What I learned. What I, I can't learned. lie. So, so, so what I found out after the fact was they were $17 a bucket, dude. Seventeen dollars wow, a bucket for you. Think about what Kolb did for you there. I know, thanks, Kolb. But if you brought the bucket back, it was only fourteen dollars to refill it. Wow! And we threw our, both our buckets in the garbage. I mean, it's had I known that, deal. now somebody did tease me and say, you know, if you had the, I don't know who it was, Jason. If you brought it back, free refills. Yeah, that was couldn't cold. have been you. It that was cold. It was, was it Kolb Kolb? that said that. Yeah, Kolb said that. I thought you said that. I'm blaming that on you. No, 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 no. That was Kolb. Yep, that was Kolb. Cruel. With that yeah, he's, he can be that way. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, he got so his up, due. Dude? He, he, he got his because he got stuck on an airplane with me. And if that happens to yeah. anybody, I feel bad for you. Because it's going to get delayed or it's going to get turned around or it's going to get, like, you know, something. Your luck is complete and utter trash. Your Delta experience was completely the opposite of my Delta experience, which was I got upgraded on the way on my direct flight from Raleigh to the Twin Cities. We yeah. we left early. We arrived early. Both my flights, my bags made it first off the carousel practically on the first flight. No Lucky dramas. You. Everything's smooth as silk. Todd is when I fly United. So all my friends, for others don't know. All of everybody flies Delta, so I'm like, all right, you know, Delta does this thing where they'll transfer all your miles. I've been, I'm almost a million miler at United, and it's like, but they'll transfer me over and blah blah blah. Delta will do all this stuff, so I'm like, I'll give Delta a try. <clears throat> I've had three flights with Delta this year. Every one of them have been jacked, canceled flights, delayed flights, take you, fly you back, and make you spend the night at hotel flights. That's what I've dealt with with Delta for three flights. Now, look, they're all the same. All of them are the same. It's just been luck of the draw that those are the ones. So if you see me anywhere near your gate, especially if it's Delta, you might want to like book another flight. Yeah. Like get on an app and get on something else. Cause yeah, it's not been good, but I did make it through turn one at Brainerd. <laughs> you got to ride the big track on Monday. How was that? I rode the big track, Simon and David and I all rode there, uh, I saw Jessica Zalewski. She's so nice, G-Dub. She's so good to me when I go there. Oh, yeah, there she's really cool. She's the one who ran so the... So um, cool, so cool. She's the one who ran... It was her day. It's ours, I think is what it is, right? It was her day up at Brainerd when she rented it to, like, Yamaha and those guys, like, half oh, that's her, right. her whole day. So yeah. I got to see her when I was up there last year um, when I got to ride Gagne's bike. So, yeah, she's really... It's really good to connect with her again. Man, she still looks. She's so cool, man. She she still looks super fit, like she's ready to go she racing does. again. And she does. You know, yeah, and, she looks great. Yeah, runs a good organization and all that stuff. So, no, everybody there was super cool. I did four sessions, and just dude, it was so weird. You know, you're getting old when you. I drove down the old road to get over to the old paddock, right? And I'm driving yeah. in, and I'm like, man, this just brings back so many memories. You know, it's 
it's um yeah it was quite the quite the experience for me um i i, I hate to even say this because i'm gonna take no end of shit for it but gw it was 30 years ago that i won my first national there 30 years it didn't even seem real wow so yeah so i'm driving in this place and i'm like i'm remembering certain things and i don't know it's just something something about going down through the old pit lane heading out onto the track and all that it was uh yeah, it was a really neat experience. Like for me, it's um, I guess I'm just getting older probably, but I, I I definitely appreciate the the time spent in the trenches sort of thing to get to where I was able to get, and then now I'm lucky enough to do the job that we're both doing. You know, dude. I, yeah, I, I think it was '98 or '99, probably '98 when I'm doing my privateer thing on the 750, and I mean I. I and I didn't know much about riding or setup or anything, but all I know is all year I was dealing with tank slappers in a bad way. Yeah. And Richie Alexander let me pit inside the barn. You remember the, I don't know if, oh, you know if it's still I, there. It's all, oh, they're still there. That's where Jessica had her little, her area set up to register and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So there. we would pit inside the barn across from us was, was factory Honda, you know, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Ray Plum and Al Ludington and the whole crew. And I was in the superbike. So on the bigger tracks like Brainerd or uh, Road America, I would do 750 Supersport, Formula Extreme, and Superbike all on my basically stock 750 then. That's right. Um, and <laughs> I kept coming onto the front straightaway, and the, it would tank slap so bad, you would see pit boards just jumping. Like guys with pit boards were leaping back off the wall. They want no party. And, <laughs> no part of me people thought it was so bad people thought i was coming over the wall part of it was set up part of it i think was really my riding i used to sit on the back of the seat which we know is just not a good thing mm -hmm. you know and then and then i used a lot of arm coming out of the corners i would pull on the bars so you have the rear end sagging and you have pulling on the bars and you have you know a really crappy uh lockhart phillips steering damper <laughs> you know nice of you um, to mention them yeah really Anyway, a lot of tank slappers. So yeah. we're in the garage after like the second superbike session, and people were like so concerned. We I actually have some photos that I've never released to the public. Yeah, of the fact of like Al Ludington, Merlin Plumley, like three or four Honda guys, crew chiefs, and 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 mechanics, all bouncing on my Suzuki. And changing suspension and changing geometry on the thing to try to get it to stop tank slapping because yep. they were so concerned for my safety. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, good to have I those guys in your there. corner. Yeah, no, it was very interesting. And that was early on. You know, I don't, it's not like I'd been doing TV for 10 years. I mean, at that point, I mean, I started doing TV in 1997. So as it 98 or 99, you know, I mean, it was, it was a small group of us, if you really think about it. It was large factories, but in terms of privateers back then, there weren't a ton of guys that were actually doing the entire series back then. Right. That could, no, you know, I, go I remember race that. Race to race. You'd get a lot of locals right. show up at each individual race. A lot right? of locals. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Especially because tires were wide open back then. So if someone right. was regionally racing Pirellis or, or Bridgestones right. or whatever, there was no big whoop, you know? So, and a lot of the rules were kind of in line with what AMA was doing in the Supersport classes. So 750 Supersport, 600 Supersport, always pretty packed. Anyway... Let, let's stop talking about the past. Sorry about that story, folks. Let's talk about what's going to happen right now, which is we're going to talk about Moto America from Brainerd, where Jason and I just got back from World Superbike, back in action at most. As it, 
it seemed, you know, it was a couple weeks, then they get back in action, now they're five weeks off. It's and then so we'll weird, preview. but yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little preview of um, a MotoGP returns this weekend to Silverstone. Pretty pumped about that. You can check out patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV if you want to support the channel. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So before we do that, Jay, let's go ahead and rip it off to news presented by Arai. Dude, is it ever going to cool down this summer? I don't know. It's warm here today. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Oh, is it nice over there? Yeah. No, we're still set for like uh, mid 90s here, like, you know, for the next foreseeable future. But hey, Jay, did you know that avoiding impact energy intrusions by sliding off or glancing off surfaces and obstacles is a key role of the helmet shell, requiring a strong, smooth shell? For this purpose, Arai handcrafts each shell to be as strong and light as possible with a high fiber to resin ratio of proprietary superfiber and Z resins. Now, however, this process leaves a rough surface, which requires many steps to prepare it for a beautifully smooth finish without adding any excess weight. Even though it's invisible, these details are important to protecting your noodle and it's Arai's obsession. So check out AraiAmericas.com, pick what you like, head down to your local dealer for fitment and grab yourself a new helmet because Christmas is right around the corner. It's not true, but I decided I was going to say that anyway. Okay, let's go for our... Dude, life is just flying by. That's what I'm saying, dude. I mean, it's It's August already. I know around it's the corner. Kind of around the corner. Yeah, it's. I got a, I, uh, I got a big trip lined up here that we'll talk about another time. But yeah, it's gonna like, it's gonna be October before I know it. I know. I know. I packed. I got state archery championship this weekend. I got nationals next weekend, and then boom, we're at pit race. And then the weekend after, I've got to do something. I can't remember now what I'm doing. But no, it's it's wild. How about your boy Jake Gagne going to World Superbike with his current team, which is the whatever the the fresh and lean progressive yamaha team bike prepared by attack performance he's going to portamao just about two weeks i mean for him you know week and a half or whatever it's two weekends after our last race of the season i think it's pretty exciting i think it's great what do you think it's the best it's you know what's the best part about this whole thing i'll tell you the best part about it that that i can come from is that Jake got to go over there already. He's already been there. He's already seen the track. He already knows the place. It's, you know, how hard it would be for him to go to some place or be a guy who races in America and then just goes over there and tries to get used to new track, new series, new tires, new everything, and only have one weekend to do it without ever getting a chance to test it. I mean, you look at the Petrucci's and the Loris Bass's of the world. When, when they came over, they still had a street bike that they could go ride all these racetracks if they chose. And, and now teams are getting involved with track days. Like you said, with Jessica Zalewski, she sold half their day to go testing uh, last year when you went there. And they did it again this year as well, G-Dub, where they went up to Brainerd early. And they're going to some of these tracks. I think there's a test in New Jersey this next Monday, Tuesday. So mm. the big advantage for Jake is this. He was over there on that Honda for a year and a half. He's got to see all these racetracks. He already knows what he's getting into there. I also think they're going to receive some technical support from Yamaha. I, they you are. Gotta look at it, you you got to look at it like um, you got to look at it like the fact that Yamaha Europe is getting involved in the sense they want Jake Gagne to do well. They they're hoping that he's another guy that could possibly get in between some of the front runners, right? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and so I think all in all, it's a it's a great deal for him, and what a great track to go to in a great area. Wow. 
Yeah, and and I believe that Gagne had one of his best results uh, in Port. I think one of his best results in Portimao. Like he loves the track. I talked with him about it. Look, yep. we, you and I knew about this before the broadcast, and I went to you know the powers that be at Yamaha and said, "I want to talk about this on the broadcast today on on Saturday." And you know it, they corporated the the shit out of us, right? Look, little corporate yep. wants to do a press release. I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, why not? wait until Tuesday and just have something posted on websites as opposed to us talking about it on the broadcast, which yep. way more people listen to a broadcast than, you know, are hardcore like us and visit every single website and read every press release. So, but anyway, so, you know, the, but here's the challenge. I mean, the other thing too, is it's good for Richard Stamboli's mental yep. because the guy loves a challenge. You got to keep challenging him. And I think that they keep refining the R1 but there aren't too many things other than him like retooling the swing arm again that really excite him a lot. Yeah. Um, but now you're going to go to World Superbike, and there's three main differences between a Moto America Superbike and a World Superbike Superbike. The first thing is going to be the fuel. The fuel that they use is more potent, I guess you could say. And so there are things that have to be done uh, to deal with the extra horsepower you get from just the fuel itself. So that's part of, I think, what what uh, Yamaha Europe, YE, is going to help them with is obviously the you know like mapping and things like that. The second thing is pretty obvious is tires. Now, I was told that they're going to test, I think, in a week or two, they're going to test at Button Willow on Pirelli's. Yeah. And they're going to they're going to start working on chassis bits and pieces. So I think that they've got a general idea. I don't know. I didn't talk to Richard about this. I know that our suspension is is pretty close to being what World Superbike has. They run Oleans. You know, the Yamaha factory team runs Oleans, girl off those guys. You know, say to Johnny's show of stuff, which we'll talk about later, in my opinion. Um, so they're going to get it set up. The other deal is the transmission. So yep. for those that don't know, what happens is when... There's a certain period of time when World Superbike teams can choose their transmission ratios. We have to run stock transmission ratios. You can you can coat the transmission cogs. You, you know you can do certain things to our transmission in Superbike to make it work better. But the gear ratios have to stay the same, and the transmission uh, has to be stock. Okay. Now, with that said, in World Supersport, World Superbike, you don't have to leave it stock. The okay. biggest difference is, Jason, as you know. And we're, you know, this is Gagne's thing too. And Petrucci's thing. In World Superbike, they have a special part that goes into the transmission, the drum, that allows the transmission to be neutral, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Right. Our transmissions are new are first, neutral, first, second. Neutral. And so and yep. it's a huge difference because now what that does with World Superbike is it allows them to use first gear a lot more right. than we want to use first gear. And Jay, you know Correct. some racers. Right, Maladin yep. was a guy who would gear a bike to go second through sixth if he could, and not have to get near, you know, like like neutral. Yep. Uh, Petrucci twice, at least twice this weekend, hit a false neutral. Right? He did. Like so, did. so it's a it's a big deal. And the funny bit was they hadn't told Jake yet about that. When I saw Jake on Friday, I was like, "Yeah, you got this, you got that, and then you got the transmission." He's like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I'm getting the good transmission." I go, "You have to. It's illegal to run." An, uh, like a Moto America approved transmission. Essentially the one he's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't do it. It's illegal because they've chosen different gear ratios and stuff. So he's yeah. pretty pumped about that because I don't know if the Honda had it, but I think he at least he knows about and, it. Oh, man. And Greg, I cannot tell you the bump he's going to get in confidence taking his team and his bike. I mean, that is like 
every writer from here's dream because I'll tell you right now, when you go over there, you are at the mercy of whatever team you go on. And I know, I know even at the very top level over there, some of the stuff that I know from writers that have gone over, writers that are currently there, writers that have been involved um, over there. I know some team managers over there that were writers. And, and the thing is, is when you get there, you know what they do? They go, Greg, this is the settings on this bike. This is what's working for so-and-so. Go ride it. And you're like, okay. So you get out there and you start riding, <clears throat> and it doesn't feel like your motorcycle. And I can tell you right now from experience, they will sit there and literally go, we can't change this. We can't change that. We know this doesn't work. We know that doesn't work. Okay. It didn't work for the one guy, but maybe it'll work for me. Can we try something different, please? Because it doesn't, it doesn't work. Jake gets to go over there with his crew and his bike. That is, that is, I mean, that is the missing component that so many riders have. You go talk to Raj about riding for Pedercini and, and those guys. That year that Raj endured, <clears throat> excuse me, over there, I, I can't even imagine what he went through. I had him quitting through the middle of the year. He didn't. He stayed on, and that's ultimately what got him the ride on the Jordan team was his perseverance to stay on a crap bike uh, over there at the time. And, I mean, for him to have his own crew, his own bike, his own team, they're just going to go rolling into Portimao, that's dream stuff. That's great. Dream stuff. That I is. mean, it's all, those, it's all the stuff you're talking about, plus – the, plus the other stuff is not just what you're talking about, but it's also like the day to day. You know what I mean? Like just the little things, like when Jake comes off the bike, they know exactly how much time to give him before they start debriefing with him. If they need any at all, right. They need, yep. you know, they, they know his routine. He wants to get out of his leathers. Then he wants, like, I don't know. I don't know what Jake's routine is, but each you're, rider you're, you're and each team yep. have, have gone into a, some sort of a rhythm and yep. all that stuff, the familiarity with it and stuff, gives it a, the weekend a flow to a weekend that's going to be a little bit different, right? Because, yep. you know, they're going to stick to a schedule. You're going to have more time. And, you know, there's there's certain things. So, And Jake's done it before. But now you get to do it with Corndog and you get to do it with just like, you know, the, the guys that you got your him. core people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, dude, like you're a so, great example. You're, like, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to uh, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, the greatest example would be that, like, when he comes into pit lane, he knows everybody. And and I, I can't tell you how much as a writer, when you go over there and you get introduced to a team, it always starts off like meeting that girl for the first time and take her on the first couple dates. It's always great, right? But then by third or fourth session on Saturday, she if, there's some, if there's some idiosyncrasies that – you're such a dick. If, oh, if, that's true. If there's um, some idiosyncrasies between like um, – what a crew thinks about the what the writer's not doing because maybe this writer's doing things different than the writer he had prior. All of a sudden, then there's those little inner team talks away from the writer about, well, this guy doesn't do this and this guy doesn't do that. And we'd be, we could be half a second quicker if he did this. <clears throat> it never goes back to the, well, maybe if we could find a half sec, maybe if we could find something in the bike to help him, right? He's not going to have that. He's going to roll into a bunch of people that he's familiar with. <clears throat> I guarantee you, They'll all be going over to I would I would assume they'll all be going over to um, Denning's hospitality and all that. They're gonna have the food, they're gonna have everything lined up that way. They're probably gonna have their own garage. I mean, it is it is the best the best opportunity for Jake. And you know what the other thing too that's amazing about it, Jay? Is that if Jake comes in in the first session and he's a second and a half off, let's just yep. say, right? Yep. 
they're not going to care. They know what they have in their rider, right? So yep. nobody's ever going to get down on Gagne, no matter how fast or how slow he is compared to the fastest guy out there. They're going to be pushing because they're, they know, oh, yeah, this, this Gagne, man. I mean, this guy can yep. check out of these races. He's, you know, when, when he doesn't throw it down the road, he's, he's beating up on some MotoGP guy. You know, like, like they have that built in. They, there's no need to build confidence. They've already won a, a national championship with the kid. So, yeah, it's yeah. going to be pretty cool. Um, I'm looking forward to I'll tell you the other thing I'm... about that real quick is that's great is that Shaky Byrne came over here. He was at Laguna Seca, and he really got to see it live. And I saw I saw one of his posts saying how great it is going to be having Gagne come over. And the other one that I saw chime in on a post just recently was Loris Baz saying how well-deserved it is that Gagne gets a chance to go over there. Loris Baz has been around the world. He has seen the pace of riders. Petrucci's been around the world. He's seen the pace of riders. Even in even in Danilo's uh, post race stuff that I've read, he has come out and said, like, like, look, Jake's Jake's got it on us right now. Right now, he's faster than we are. And um, I mean, very real inner, like comments from Petrucci. And so when you've got the respect of a shaky burn, of a Loris Baz, of a Danilo Petrucci, Jake's ready, man. He's ready. He is ready, and I'm I'm excited about it. And I'll be honest. I know you've talked about possibly trying to go over. I I would like to get over there for that. Honestly, I would really like to get over there for that as, as well because um, I think it'll be a, a neat experience for him and for Richard and the team. I mean, this is right up Richard's alley. This is what he wants to do. So, it's yeah, great. I'm excited for it. Uh, let's right. see. The other the other thing too is we want to talk a little bit about this. I don't know. I mean, we're 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 going to touch on it, Jay, real quick. Um, we're not going to get into detail about it as I'm going to sneeze here in a second, but there's an announcement that there's a new three race series that's going to happen called super motocross world championships. It was a press release yesterday. It doesn't have a lot of impact in our world, uh, on the surface, but it really can. So basically what's happened is, is over the years, supercross and motocross are two separate series. They're owned by two different companies, two different people. And they've been at war with each other for a long time. And mm -hmm. Supercross has been noted as trying to destroy motocross and blah, 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 blah. Finally, the parties got together because they really see their TV package slipping. Their ratings are slipping. Um, even though there's an industry that thinks, oh, this is just a cat's meow. But it's really not if you boil it down. And so it seemed like if they combine their efforts, because it's the exact same teams. Yeah. You know, somebody gets signed yeah. January through... December or whatever, and it's the exact same teams doing it. They're getting pulled around. So a lot of stuff happened, and they're going to combine. It's going to be a couple September races. And, you know, from what I understand, it's like a million bucks to win it and all this kind of stuff. And it's going to combine Supercross and Motocross together as one. Yeah. And the FIM's answer to that was trying to start this FIM World Championship. That's why Supercross is no longer an FIM World Championship. But, look, I'm not going to get deep into the weeds with it, Jay. Because we're going to have Jason Wygant on here in a couple of weeks to explain Weege. it all to us in more mm -hmm. detail. Mm -hmm. We just, you know, did another killer job for us at, at Brainerd. Um, and he is off to Loretta Lynn's, the poor bastard. I mean, he's yeah, he's been put through the it. blender over yep. the next 10 days or whatever it is, you know. So yep. after he gets settled in and, and we get a chance to talk to Weege, he'll be on the <clears> podcast <throat> and do all that stuff. So... I don't know if you read it about it or whatever. If you have any comments, if not, I'll move on to the last topic of news. Greg, honest to God, I don't know anything about it. I've seen little bits and pieces of it, but uh, I probably learned more just listening to what you just said there. So um, it'll be interesting having him come on, getting his take on some things. Obviously, I listen to uh, I listen to the Pulp Show, so and I've I've got bits and pieces of that as well. So 
I, I think that, you know, I don't really have any comments on it because I don't know that much. Yeah, now, now that it's announced, I'm sure that Pulp's going to go into much more detail about it immediately. Yes. But we'll get yes. Weed to talk about it in our audience because, you know, it, it's... um, it what happens in motorcycle racing can spew over to, you know, the other series and stuff. And yep. I think what Moto America is doing right now is great, but you know, it's not the end all be all of what's happening. So, you know, does it make sense to merge the blend the blah, blah, blah. We don't have a situation like this, right? Like we don't have right. a, a competitive series that, that goes at a different time of year that really is pulling from the same pool of people. We don't have right. that. Right. So, and a lot of people for years have been like, yeah, I don't get it. So you have Supercross, they have two weeks when they're done, then they go motocross racing. It's the same teams, different owners. They don't cross promote. They don't, you know, do anything together. There have been times when they got along, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? They're getting along now. Yeah. And this deal is a big deal. Um, yep. All right. So the third, the third deal is speaking of Portimao, Jay, not sure if you heard this, but, um, you know, Qatar has been the MotoGP opener, like normally the first week of April. Yeah. Uh, and since I think 2007 ish or something like that, like it's been around a long time and it is no longer going to be the opener next year. I guess Qatar is going through some massive upgrades with the yep. track, uh, both infrastructure upgrades and, and some track stuff. So three weeks later, like the last week in March, the world championship MotoGP calendar is going to open up in Portimao for 2023. Amazing. Wow. Well, the biggest thing that's amazing about it, and for all you MotoGP riders that tune into this podcast, is I'm oh, just yeah. going to say all it's a couple weeks after the Daytona 200. So I'm just saying you guys could come over and start racing the Daytona 200. Oh, MotoGP yeah. That's guys. that's going to be high on their priority <laughs> list two weeks before their first round, I'm sure. Um, 100%. You know, uh, God, I can't believe we talk about Daytona. It's Mar in March. It's so cool that we did that this year. Um, yeah. You know, Greg, you haven't been to Portimao. And there, I don't, I forget the guy's name, but on some something ended up on my Twitter feed from a MotoGP journalist that I don't even know. I don't even know him, but he's wrote that he's really, really excited to see that MotoGP is going to be starting it's in Europe. But it's his, it's really a shame. It's at Portimao, something along the lines of it's his personal worst venue, his his worst like in the area, like it, like Greg Portimao is amazing like i don't even know where this guy's coming from so i'm sitting there and i'm screenshotting it to send it to steve-o right send it to steve english because when you go over there for a world superbike it is greg it is the it is the greatest place it's a cool little town the track is amazing i mean it's got kind of all the things you need around and it's right on the coast of you know southern tip of portugal it's 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 incredible and this guy's kind of bitching about like oh it's too bad it's in, in portmouth before I could even screenshot it, I kind of scrolled down and there's already a comment from Steve English on it. Like basically, are you crazy? Like that's the <laughs> great. And then there's a bunch of support of that. Like, are you crazy? Seems like all the MotoGP journalists. Are it's like, it's like all the MotoGP journalists seem so miserable. They like, seems like I don't even understand what it is. And all the world Superbike guys seem a lot happier, but it, what's, what blows me away is that, Portugal is such a great spot. I cannot think of a better opener than that place. That is going to be a sick, a sick track to open up the year. It's great. And, and yeah, at the end great. of the day, who at the end of the day, it's just an opener. Who gives a shit? It's just who one cares? of cares. Like who cares? That's exactly right. It's exactly <laughs> like, make right, it such though. a big it's, deal out of it. It's like if you go to Portimao as the opener or not. What difference does it make? I tell you, you right know, it's now, like, been, what, it's it's not Jay. It's not like you're getting a hundred thousand people that are showing up to Qatar, and the season opener is like you know some big bang whiz bang event that you know like 
Whatever. Anyway, I, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, There's a little bit of change. They're going to get to test, you know, a Portimao before in Europe. The teams are, are not going to have to fly away. I think. I think the way they're going to approach those first rounds are going to be different because they're not in Qatar, and you know, they're going to be in Europe and around correct. their home bases. And I think it's going to be great. I think you know? you're 100 right. And look, dude, I love Doha. Doha is awesome. It's a cool place. It's different. Very, very different place. Um, but I mean, Portimao for me. I'll put it to you this way. If if Gagne's deal was – I mean, I'm not that – I'm really not that picky. I like going everywhere. But the fact that he's doing this in Portimao is so intriguing to me that if there was a way that I could go over there and be a part of that, um, you know, just to go over. Because I've gone over to the last couple of World Superbike rounds at Portugal, and part of it is just because I love the area so much. So, anyways. Mm. Greg, we were at Brainerd, Minnesota this weekend. We were up there for round – was it seven? Six? Oh. Oh. Seven. Seven. Oh, Yeah. yeah. With yeah. the beer cheese soup, yeah. Oh, um, sure. yeah. Let me get you a big bowl of beer cheese soup, and I'll throw a pop in a bag for you. <laughs> oh, that yeah. way, that way, Kolb can stop on the side of the road and poop his brains out. Mm. Yeah, he can poop himself. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Like, huh? Seriously, what is wrong with you? You get issues, uh, dude. What? You and Kolb, you guys are the same people. It's starting to come together. It really is starting to come together. You guys are the same. Anyways, oh. um, up there, Brainerd way. And uh, we were, <laughs> you, you were a little hey, surprised I said that on the broadcast, weren't you? Hey, we're up Brainerd way. <laughs> that's great. I loved it. So I said we that. Are, Jason just turned around, looked at me, and gave me the look like, like, did you huh? just say that? Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of controversy up there leading into it just with, um, you know, the championship being as close as it is, as close as it was. Gagne is steaming rolling. He's just looking like he's going to dominate. We have a Friday practices. The weather's perfect, and it was like, well, Gagne's gonna he's gonna start rolling away with this thing, and really, from all intents and purposes, that's what exactly what was happening. He was quickest on Friday. Now, Petrucci got up there and tested. Cam was very quick, and watching the practice sessions unfold in front of my eyes on Friday, it was pretty interesting to see um, the differences in what some guys were doing compared to others. But it looked like Gagne was on his way again to do his normal stuff, and on race one on Saturday. He rolls there and does what he does great. Gets a good start. Gets out front. Puts down the laps. It basically became a battle for second. Petrucci and Cam kind of both made mistakes on the opening lap on Saturday. And what it did was allowed Cam to get away. Uh, allowed uh, Jake to get away, rather. What was it, What was interesting to me is that he got like, I think, Greg, I think it was 1.7 seconds the first day. Like, just gone on the first lap. And it only went to like 1.9. And Cam really looked like the guy struggling the most with that tire, uh, getting it kind of to come in a little bit um, in the race. It was it was moving around on him a lot for the first couple races, uh, first couple laps. Petrucci made a mistake late that was uncharacteristic. But like you said earlier, he caught a couple false neutrals. But it was Cam second, Petrucci third, Skultz, who had crashed earlier, nursed himself home and finished fourth. <clears throat> and so we had kind of all the main protagonists up there, but the racing was pretty spread out, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was, it unusual was spread out in Superbike. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was a little unusual. Like we didn't have a ton of, of little battles going on. You know, if you look at it, you got what, five seconds from Gagne to Peterson, another six to Petrucci, another, yeah. you know, nine seconds back to Skultz. And then, you know, it just kind of goes like that. I mean, Hayden Gillum was kind of close to PJ, but no real challenges. From Hayden Gillum to Yates, three seconds. From Yates to Corey, four yeah. seconds. You know, from Corey yeah. to Jake, three. And it just kind of felt like that. Now, look, 
there was a cloud that was, you know, hanging over Brainerd, obviously. You know, it's not something you and I are going to talk much about, but Scott Briotti's death was 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 horrible on Friday. Yeah. Um I've I've seen video of the of his accident over and over again. And my assessment of the Scott Briotti situation is it was a freak accident. And Scott did everything within his power to try to save what was happening to him. But in the end, it just he he ended up on a part of the track that I just don't see people there, you know. Well, and and no one got yeah. even close to that that part of the track, and th- and that was that was horrible. And Saturday morning there was a really nice service done. Uh, Rocco did a lap around and all that kind of stuff. So there was this malaise in the air, right? Mm-hmm. Like it didn't feel like a normal race weekend, but you Correct. know that this is the situation we're in as an organization and as racers, you know. When a rate, you know, Jason, you've been in this paddock longer than I have. I've been in the paddock 25, 26 years. This is not the first time this has happened, you know, in motorcycle road racing. And the thought is, is that Scott or, you know, his family and anybody else who's, who's passed away in years past wants us to continue racing. You know, once the accident happened, the day stopped. And I think that was appropriate thing, but then you get up and you got to strap the helmet on and race. And something kind of tells me that there was some pace that was held back with some people. And Jay, you and I even had conversations with some top riders that just said in this particular section, I don't feel like I can go anything over 70%. Right. You remember that conversation? Yeah. And it was it, just like, yeah. You know, Greg, I'm thinking it, it, that, that I'm thinking that that affected some of the superbike race in terms of, of the pace, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't read into it that much G dub to be honest with you, because like you say, I've been part of this kind of tragedy before. And, and it's another conversation to have about how different levels of riders view different areas of track or different areas of places. I always knew when I went to a Sonoma or I went to some place that seemed like it had a little bit of some areas that were sketchy, uh, that I was going to play my cards a little closer to my chest there. I wasn't going to hang it out as much. Now, what I want people to realize here is that where Scott's accident was, was such a freak place. It wasn't, it wasn't a place. I read some things online where people are, oh, Moto America should be ashamed of themselves for not having air fence on that wall and should be ashamed of themselves for, listen, I'm here to tell you right now that where that accident happened, there's never been an accident there probably ever on a motorcycle the way that this one went down. It was an absolute best way to put it that you said, it was a freak accident. Now, can we learn from it? Of course we can learn from it. When I left the track Friday evening, G-Dub, um, I, like you, I'd heard that there was an unprotected wall that was hit. And I'm like, how can this even be? Like, what, what, where did we miss? What happened here, you know? Um, understand, Greg and I, we're just commentators. That's all we are for Moto America. We're commentators, essentially. And, and I have no beef with saying if something was not right or or unsafe but g-dub when you showed me saturday morning actually where the accident was i was blown away and what people have to remember out there is that what do all the riders do on thursday greg thursday afternoon what are they doing they're walking the track yeah so you got to remember you got guys like myself or josh hayes jake zemke uh, along with every rider in the paddock um that that chooses to do so they're walking the track now if there is a spot on the track where somebody thinks, oh, we need to do this or we need to have that or we need to do this or that, 
you just go to a Moto America and you tell them, hey, you guys, this is what I, th- uh, this is a little bit of a problem. Maybe we should fix this or maybe we could look into this. Not one person in the whole paddock could have seen what happened to Scott happen to Scott. And it's just such an unfortunate thing that had happened. But what I don't want it to do is just, you know, I, this is not a Moto America's fault thing. This is a race incident. Motorsports are dangerous, man. Scott knew that going into, he would be the first guy to probably say, yep, they, you know, we all, we all assume those risks. Does it make it nice? It's awful for everybody there. Awful, awful, awful. Um, Greg, did you know Scott? I, I had had one or two conversations with him, but didn't know him. But I knew him pro- through proxy, right? Like, we know so many people that knew him. He was such a great dude. He supported the sport through his business, whether it was him or other racers. You know, there's photos of him coming out when you have, like, a young this. and a, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And he's from upstate New York. So, you know, from what I understand, he was just kind of a staple all around that area. You know, New Loudon Hampshire and, goes racing now. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you the thing that struck me about it, because I didn't ever really get to the pleasure of knowing Scott. When something like this happens, it's pretty wild when you see – I think that when someone passes, people say nice things. But there's a genuine thing about this with Scott that I find – like I talked to Richie Alexander. Richie knew Scott very well, and and it's, there's a – you can look in someone's eyes, and you can tell if they're being genuine when they say something about somebody. And everybody that I've heard say anything about Scott, there's this genuine thing about it that makes me sad that I never really got to know the man myself. Um, and it's funny because I've I watched him ride a lot. I cause I'm always out on the edge of the racetrack, so I see him. I've seen him ride. Um, but it's like he's part of the whole Penguin School thing with Eric Wood uh, and Jerry Wood and all them. He was kind of a student of theirs, I guess it sounds like, in the past. Um, I know Ben Glotty was close. I know all, you know, there's a lot of people that were very close to him. And um, at the end of the day, it's just, it's just brutal. I hate it. The fact that his daughter hung around all weekend and was there part of it. She's actually Brandon Posh's girlfriend. I mean, how strong is she to just to stick around and, and be there? And I think yeah, that after was, seeing her dad pass away and then have oh. to put her, her boyfriend on a bike, you know what I mean? All weekend long. You know, anyway, and all, all the writers, to, all, want, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the writers paid great tributes to Scott. Yes, um, they did. Every writer that was in the, in, you know, from, every writer from Rocco, obviously... from Rocco, who knew Scott well, who, yep. who supported Rocco to, to, to Kayla Yakov, right. Who, who Gagne, so pointedly said, I, I didn't all... know Scott, but you yep. know what I mean? But obviously, you know, and there was, there was all those people in between and it was really, it was really good. But Anyway, so I just kind of want to acknowledge that, you know, that we Absolutely. do know that that exists, but also, you know, we're there to do a job and the job is, is racing, you know? Yep. And so we have to come at it with the same uh, level of intensity that we have and, you know, the same energy level and the same excitement level that we always have. And so that's kind of how we're viewing, you know, like, like what's happened and, you know, looking at uh superbike race, number one, medallia, superbike race, number one, Jay, you know, you already mentioned the results. Yeah, you know the the surprise is is what's going on. I think really with with Skultz and his and his situation, but he got hurt. Yep. You know, he crashed and his wrist was jacked. And yep. tip of the cap to Matthew Skultz for only finishing twenty seconds behind Gagne. You know, really only fifteen seconds behind Cam Peterson with yep. that wrist, and we we showed it shaking out and all that kind of stuff. And Hayden Gillum got his his best result there. But as we move on to race number two, Jay, it was a totally different story. Well, it wasn't. It was kind of the same as it's yeah. always been up until a couple laps to go, right? I'll say that, but 
I, I really honestly believe this. This was the first race all year that I felt like HSBK Ducati team made a big step. Like Petrucci looked faster in race two. Like he looked better. The lap that he ran wide, he had gained, I, I think I even said on telecast, like half a second in the first three sectors. Like he was on a lap. And then, but it goes to show how hard he was pushing as well. It was almost like he was on a Q lap. And he made a mistake in turn 12, caught that false neutral, ran wide, gave Gagne some space. And then Gagne started to stretch that out. And we had that on that shot of him coming towards us. And as our camera panned back to catch Petrucci, I heard a subtle, like, in the, you know, yeah. I heard something, right? I heard it. And I'm like, whoa. Like, I know that sound, and it's not a fun sound. And as I said that, before I could even – I'm like, Greg, I think something may have just happened. And then I look out to my right, and I see this bike flying through the air. I'm like, oh, my – and then you caught And then the camera was on it at that point that Gagne had crashed. Um, I yeah, wrote you said the next- Ga- you said Gagne before. You said Gagne, like, almost immediately. Yeah, I thought because I've heard that sound and it's not a nice sound. And um, and basically, Greg, I, I rode the track the next day. You should have seen how long that black mark was. It really? was so long. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it was a long, long black mark. He held on tire. a long time, huh? It seemed like he did. Um, but that's yeah, like, see, what, pe- what, what people don't realize. You know how, Jay, we go camera, we switch camera to camera to camera. And yeah. you know, Carbone's in there and he's going camera one, take camera two, mm-hmm. camera three, pick up. Bike number one, okay, take three. Correct. They also, we also, when you switch those cameras, they have a microphone that sits on top of the camera. So they're switching those cameras as well. So you're getting that audio. But yep. it's not always like clean, clean. They kind of bleed it over a little bit, you know? And that's why, you know, you, you, I think it was the same camera shot because uh, second place was close enough or whatever. That's exactly So that's right. the thing. I don't know exactly where the sound comes from sometimes. Yep. But you knew immediately, and and I was like, because I had heard it too, and I was like, oh, you know, like in my brain, I'm going, that could be anywhere. It it depends on how the cameras are being switched around, because obviously every lap, we don't always go camera, you know, we don't go camera one, two, three, four, five. Sometimes they're calling for shots over here. We're going to, you know, to see someone in fifth. And so I didn't know what what audio had left, had been left open, but. Yep. So I reached out to Gagne, and I said, you okay? Because it looked like he took a really big hit on his, you know, on his leathers. I'm going to read you the. T- I, oh, I screen grabbed it. And, you and screen sent grabbed it, to you, it right? and sent it to me. I wasn't going to say anything in case you didn't want me to, but I thought like this is why he is who he is. I'm talking about Jake Gagne. Yeah, so it simply went like this. Uh, you know, I just I, I just reached out and I said, hey, what happened? Um, I said we thought maybe false neutral or brakes locked up. We think, and I, and I mean Jason and I, we think that you're so good it couldn't have actually been a mistake you made. And he just replied back, "All me, man." And then with some laughing emojis, and uh, and that that just sums up Gagne, you know, to a T. He yep. did say he's okay; he's not hurt at all. Yeah, he's 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 all good. And I and he said he got away pretty clean. And I was glad to hear that for sure because he got up and he was kind of holding. Was it his left? I can't remember. One his of his wrist. One of his wrists. Forearm. Like the whole the whole sponsor thing was like wiped out on his forearm. You know, yeah. so he took. He it was a fast one, man. And that front end went over like it flipped pretty gnarly. It was pretty bad. It was yeah, pretty that bad. was a total. total but, yard but look, sale. hey, give it to Petrucci though, man, because he honestly, I think he had got into a stage like Greg. He actually kept it kind of the same distance for a few laps, and then when he made that mistake, Gagne got away, and then 
it kind of started to grow like two tenths here, a tenth there. It's super All right, so, hard. So, so the, the information to kind of back up what you're saying. So Petrucci goes win in race two. Yeah. He was third in race one. His fastest lap in race one was a 130 flat. He goes one, th- or sorry, a 131 one, flat. One flat, yes. He goes 130.4 in race Correct. two. He also goes 27 minutes, 27 seconds in race two. So he went 27.35 in race one, and that is after he gained the lead. So you look at that and you go, wait a second, that's nine seconds faster. That's significant when you have it. That's half a second. That's half a second for 18 laps. You know how I've been saying, like, somebody's got to make a statement. Somebody's got to, like, like, I thought it was at Laguna. I really felt like Petrucci had to win at Laguna. I'm like, this is where he's got to win. Now, the thing that I'm looking back at race two, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm not going to go and say that the momentum and all that stuff has completely changed because until until Danilo actually beats Gagne on track in a head-to-head, it's hard to say that that momentum has shifted. But I will tell you this. The Ducati guys can look at that same data that you just gave us. Fastest, he went 0.6 of a second quicker in second race. Mm-hmm. He went, what did you say, nine seconds quicker in race two than he did in race yes. one? Yes. You yeah. look at that stuff and you go, that is significant. That's huge progress. Maybe they found something. Maybe they found something, did something where uh, maybe they found something or did something that could carry them into the next few rounds. Now, the biggest problem they have right now still is Gagne's steamrolls in the first two laps. If Petrucci can control that a little bit, I think then that he can maybe get himself into a rhythm that will allow him to hang onto the back of Jake a little bit closer. I think that what we need to see is we need to be able to see Petrucci or Cam or Matthew or any of the BMWs or whoever. Somebody's got to stay within... Let's say, Greg, one to two seconds of Gagne uh, at the halfway mark, right? Because what ends up happening is he gets out to that four-second lead and he manages it. Don't you believe that's – I mean, I kind of feel like that's true talking to him. Without question. Okay, so so he manages that gap. But when you see plus one on your board, we know that then he's pushing the entire time. So maybe they found something. And Petrucci, and you heard Josh Heron talk about it, they're going to be doing an endurance race on the V2, a stock one like the week prior to Pittsburgh – a racetrack that Petrucci has not ridden yet, but he's going to get a chance to go ride it. Be a good time for you to make your comeback as an ex where you know, whatever champion, and you could be on track with Danilo <laughs> Petrucci, Greg. There you, you know go. who's supposed to be in that race, because it's an N2 endurance race, is your boyfriend, Jeff White. So Jeff White was on the phone, and he was like, what the hell, man? We already got Hayden Gillum, Josh Hayes in here. Now all of a sudden we got Petrucci. And I said, dude, you got to learn how to step up and stop being a bitch. You know? Oh wow! Well, that's like, nice I don't know of you. To... That's a good reference. I, that's really great. Yep. Well, he's my older brother. Said, you know, what, all what the hate do? to Greg White is perfect. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Hold on. <laughs> but he's but he's hold a little on. bit. But, but he's got a, he's got some White in him. He doesn't. You know, Greg White in him. He doesn't want. He doesn't want to have all these people coming in and stealing his thunder. Right. That what? Yeah. What like like calling the finish of the last lap or calling the finish? What? Anyway. I knew it would come back at me. Hey, everybody. Oh, I'm banking that one. That one I'm going to run until we're dead, you and he's, I. He's 100%. flipping me off, everybody. Just so you know, I can see him. He's flipping me off. It's not nice, Greg. Let's get back to the topic at hand. The topic at hand is this. Gagne is in a situation, not only is he incredibly fast, and he's working with a team that he's got now a couple of years under his belt. Mm-hmm. That All that plays into Gagne getting on pole for every race but one. And he, and this is what, what Petrucci needs to do that unfortunately he just doesn't have time so they show up and let's just say everything goes swimmingly like it seemed to really go at Brainerd right because they got the test there you know at pit race he's going to get laps around but still they don't have any real numbers for the superbike what has to happen in my opinion 
is Petrucci has got to put himself on pole. He's got to get that extra five meters, you know, and, and put himself closer to turn one than Gagne because someone's got to get ahead of Jake. And what Jake does, is he sets himself up for success right from the beginning of the race because most of the time, except once this year, he's been sitting on pole and he does get really solid starts. That's the thing. It's the old, you know, Stoner Rossi thing. You got to race this kid. You got to slow him down. You got to make him race for it. And it just, you know, you, you read GP1, dude, and you think that you think that Petrucci and Gagne are going at it like like tooth and nail, right? Uh, and it's just, it's not the case. It's it's a matter of Gagne's fallen off more times this year in bad one situations. Of made a, one of them have made a mistake or a bike is broke, always. It's never like this head-to-head big battle. And Not yet. The closest we saw was VIR race one. When Petrucci didn't have any brakes, and he was having our engine brake issues, so that was the closest we've seen because he was basically a poor guy was panic braking into every corner just to get his bike slowed down. So <laughs> yeah. So when you when you look at it, the other thing about pit race, G Dub, that's going to be intriguing about what you say even is that it's such a gnarly first turn that it's really easy if you don't get into turn one well and you get shuffled back two or three spots further back than you need to be, all of a sudden that it's because it's not the easiest place in the world to pass. So it becomes even more difficult, like those short runs down to turn one, like at, at Barber or the short, short turn. Like the last couple we've been to, Laguna's got a pretty long run before you get down to turn two. Brainerd is fast all the way till turn three. So those are the places where Petrucci could have got a good start, like at, like at Brainerd. Get that Ducati leading through turn one and coming out of there. It might have been a little bit harder on Jake, but look. We, we say it every weekend, if, 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 sooner or later it just has to happen. That's right. the only way you're going to be able to see I, it, right? I don't see a head-to-head on those guys until Barber, honestly. Yeah. Because I don't I don't really see I, the Ducati. Like, it's, it's you know, I, there's no bumps. There's no, like, yeah. The problem you know? with Jersey is exactly what you said. But you've got to remember, Baz's bike looked as awful as any motorcycle I've ever watched last year at Barber. Oh, at Jersey. Or Jersey, I mean, sorry, Jersey. Yeah, no, you said yeah. Jersey. You said Jersey. I, yeah, yeah. I did. Okay. Yeah, Absolute it, junk. Yeah, horrendous. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that I think that this bike is different. I also think they're going to be testing there, so they're going to get some time. There's a Monday Tuesday test this next week uh, yeah, up but, at Jersey for some teams, and I think that, but they're going to get a lot of data from that on this bike. They're going to make it work, G Dub. They'll make it maybe work a little bit better. We'll see how it goes. But I agree with you 100. percent I think Barber will be the place where we'll see some head to head. I think now that it's been pretty well solidified, this championship's going down to to the final round, which we haven't had. I don't know if you know if we've had that in a Motor America series yet for Superbike in uh, three years. Because you know Tony Elias, I remember him wrapping it up at Jersey. Uh, I remember Cambobia always wrapping it up early, and Gagne wrapped it up early. So you, you look at it, it, we'd have to go back and look at the history books, but. We might have a Superbike. Yeah, maybe showdown. maybe 2015 might have been yeah. the year you and I weren't Shout participating, out, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while, right? Shout out to, yeah. uh, I think, PJ Jacobson rode amazing this weekend. Track he's never seen. That Titler's team just continues to make a bigger presence. And I'm really excited about the idea of what they have over in World Superbike to see BMW make the jump that they've made. What could be in the potential future for that team? Because I think that that team with that bike, they could make some jumps. I think they've done really well. How about Hayden Gillum? I'm just going to mention a couple riders that I thought did really well in superbike races, just as a, a mention. But for the for the the absolute horror show that Hayden Gillum's stock thousand race was for him and for that team, I thought they did a really good job on their kind of hybrid superbike that they've got going. 
Hayden Gillum is more than capable of running up front in any class he runs in. Um, but I thought he showed himself pretty well in Superbike this weekend, don't you? Yep, 100%. Um, so just to recap, the championship is 13 points, right? So yeah, 13 you have, points. You have, what, we have six races left, so there's 150 points left. So there's still a lot of wiggle room. And it's five points between first and second. So if Gagne goes on another run yep. and Petrucci finishes second, it'll be th- you know three races until Gagne regains the lead if that happens. But yeah, I don't know. Something tells me that Gagne learned something from, from this deal. You know, he hadn't really made a DNF mistake until, you know, like what happened? It was Road Atlanta really race one, right? Which would have been yeah. our third race of the year where he goes into turn five and lost the front. And he hasn't yep. really made a big mistake in the race like that since. So, and, and you know, Greg, the hardest thing I was thinking about was when you see him as frustrated as he was, which fair play he is, uh, was, I think that when you look at that, there has to be a point where he's walking around out there in the grass and then all of a sudden thinking about the championship a little bit, even though Jake's been pretty good about saying he's not thinking about that, which, you know, I think that there's some of that where he's good enough to where he doesn't think about it maybe, where he's like, hey, I just got to keep taking care of business. I know what I've got underneath me with the team I have around me. I got to just take care of this. But all of a sudden now you've clawed your way back into the championship and then you just kind of gave it all back, right? Really strange kind of. place. I mean, kind really of, strange, right? He, and a really strange place to crash, by the way. Really strange place. But he claws his way back in, and he had enough of a points gap where he lost 25 points, and now he's still only 13 back. So you got to kind of take the positives away from that one as well. But anyway, Jay, we're already freaking, you know. Yeah, let's get. We're let's talk about Rocco Landers. How about, minutes. Yeah. This is going to be a short one because, in the sense that Rocco Landers, yeah. period, done. End of story. Just yeah. absolutely smoked everybody in super sport this weekend. I was super pumped for him because I think that not only was look, I've always thought he's a capable rider. Obviously Josh has been helping him out a lot. Hayes. Um, but it, it kind of showed Rocco that like, like, like he did really well there last year. He came there with a lot of confidence. They found a setup that worked for him. And he was a Rocco Landers that we saw in twins cup and junior cup. I mean, the kid won by, 15 and a half seconds the second day. That's not even real. That's he's racing against Josh Heron. He's racing against Josh Hayes. He's, he's got Ty Scott. He's got, you know, Corey Ventura there. Like he just did the business. And I think that's going to be a big push forward in his confidence moving forward from here. All right, everybody listen to this. This is going to be entertaining. So Jason, before I leave Brainerd, I heard some chatter where people think that Rocco Landers was cheating. Is that right? What do you think about that? Uh, well, was he cutting the track somewhere? Not that uh, I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I, I. I don't even know what to say. I. I guess as far as the dude, teardowns there, and he, stuff go, I don't no, know. I yeah, don't but know. dude, there's no way. I mean, there's like you've seen him ride. I've seen him ride. Even even the the few laps he got on Friday, he was quick. Like the dude just dominated. That's it. You know what I mean? Like I. You know, yeah, it's, guys, it's always guys are, racing, right? Guys are like, dude. To I do deal that. with. Guys are allowed huh? to dominate. Guys are allowed to there dominate. There are allowed to dominate. And and Rocco, it's all the things that you said, Jay. First of all, the, the super sport bikes are faster than stock thousands. You know, you yep. can you can make an argument to say Brainerd's a 600 racetrack, as we used to say, you know, yep. like a Pike's Peak or whatever. So, yep. the you know, and then you get on the motorcycle that is arguably the most agile bike out there for years and years and years, the R6, you know, a race design motorcycle. 
with a kid who had been struggling, except he loves Brainerd. He tested well at Brainerd. Everything's there. The setup is there on the bike. Hayes has not only been working with Rocco as a rider, but he's also been given some notes in terms of how to set up the R6 for what he had and what he liked, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, dude, Rocco just, he just did it. There was yep. never even a question in my, it never I, even, Greg, never even came close to being in my yeah. brain. And when dude. somebody said it, I, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, is that where we are? Jay, I know you're gonna you're gonna just just laugh, but it it's always like that with people that win. I play with people on Call of Duty. When somebody kills them, they go, "Oh, that person's cheating," and you're like, "No, they're just better than you. Like, yep. they're not cheating. They're better than you." We're playing at such a low level. If you think someone's cheating and just put a bullet in you and you got to respawn in, just just calm down. Yep, and I, I just I I, agree. I found it so absurd that I wanted to ask you about it because it was like. I never even thought about it. It wasn't even in my brain. No, because he rode so well. He rode so incredibly well. Don't take anything away from the kid. The kid hit every mark he looked at. He just, he rode away from those guys. Like, he just literally. And he had to race for it. He had to get there, and then he rode away. Like, he 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 rode away. He he rode such great racing. Yeah. It it just was the kind of place. I'll put it to this. Dude, his dad, his whole team, he always gives credit to those guys. They all work hard. All riders do that. But, you know, we've always understood that, you know, um, the landers always do things. I'm not going to say they do things on a shoestring budget, but if you talk to them, you know, it's like, it's everything just to get Rocco to the races. They've got some yes. great support. They've got great people behind them. Like, don't take that away from them. They've been working no. their asses off. They've no. been struggling. And, and, they've and, got, and oh, by the got, way, Jason. Yeah. Oh, by the way, race, race two, race two was slower by everybody. Okay. Yeah. Rocco won race one by 20. He, he, he raced that race in 25 minutes, 17 seconds, Point four four nine. Yeah. Race two, he wins in twenty five minutes seventeen seconds. Point yeah. six. Yeah. He literally was was point one five of a difference from from race sixteen laps two. in race one and sixteen laps in race two. Yeah. Now, and, and his be- his best time in race two was actually a little bit quicker. So he went thirty three eight to thirty three seven. Right. That literally right. that one lap could have been that tenth. The consistency. Is incredible, but then he goes out and wins race one by four and a half seconds, race two by thirteen seconds. Everybody else was slower. Yeah, but the thing is, Greg, is what is their premise not thinking that he's cheating when you had two guys last year that were essentially going the same pace as Rocco did this year? Exactly. Like Rocco exactly. didn't do anything different. It's the same no. comments that we had when you know back in you know two three years ago when these guys were complaining about the six three six and this and that, but they weren't going any faster than the guys were the year before. They were going slower. And we're like, well, there's only one class right now that's not breaking lap records a couple of years ago. That was super sport. That chatter went away. To that defense, I've heard Rocco and them talk about some of the bikes in their classes, how they don't think it's fair, how they don't think it's this and that. Josh Hayes goes and wins on an R6 at BIR. That chatter had to stop a little bit. But when you have a young man that just gets some confidence and he has that weekend, this is the kind of weekend where Rocco will build on from here and he's going to go forward. That's what he's going to do. And he's talking about working harder on his fitness. Look, cannot take anything away from that kid or his dad nope. or his family. I never even thought about the look. If he would have gone out there and done like mid thirty twos or high thirty twos or low thirty threes throughout the entire race or something, then maybe you bring the chatter. He didn't. He didn't break the lap record from last year. He was a tenth off that, which tells me he was going the same pace as the two guys did last year. Everybody else was off their game. Everybody 100%. else was off their game. Yeah. Huge congrats yeah. to Rocco and all and and everybody there in Junior Cup. Another crazy weekend, yes. wasn't it? I mean, this is the class right now that is so <laughs> fun to watch. Speaking to Cody Wyman a little bit, Cody was like, 
you know, he's like, Jay, I think I was a little too conservative. And I'm like, listen, man, from a, what you do? <laughs> from a perspective of, of where I sit, he put it on the podium twice. He protected a points lead that a lot of, a lot of his competitors are in a position now where there's more pressure on them to beat Cody than there actually is for Cody to go out and take big risks, right? So there's three mm-hmm. rounds to go. Cody puts it on the podium twice. Very veteran move. Look, for all the credit we've given him for being the elder statesman of that class, he's doing what you're supposed to do to win a championship. At the end of the year, Cody Wyman wants to put a number one plate on the front of his bike. If he goes to a track that maybe isn't his favorite and he walks out of there with two podiums and an increased points lead, that's a win-win no matter what you want to say to me. No different than Josh Heron. Josh Heron had problems in Supersport this weekend where he couldn't be as dominant as he has been, but what did he do? He put it on the podium twice, got two second-place finishes, got a bundle of points. He's going to move on to the next round, right? So yep. Cody Wyman did the exact same thing, and it's up to Kayla. It's up to LaMondre Jr., Max Van, Gus Rodeo, all these guys now. They have to get up front. They have to go win, and Kayla did that. Kayla went out the first day, wins the first race. Great win by her. Um, the second race, uh, Greg, you're going to have to help me out if you got the results pulled up. The second race, second race, I believe Kayla finished fourth. Uh, second race, Kayla finished second. Oh, that's right. She, she that's right. She got podium yeah. twice. That is mm-hmm. the race. So she actually closed in on the points from her, her personal self. I think he had a, I think he had an 18 Kayla, point. Kayla he moved a, to third. Kayla moved yeah. to third in points now. Oh, 31 back from, from That's Cody. exactly right. And she started like 44 points back going into the week. Yeah. Fifth, I believe fifth yep. in points. Yep. Yep. And LaMondre was 18 points back going in. Gained a couple points on Saturday, lost a couple points on Sunday, um, yep. but he, he's going to be another kid that's going to be there. So what Cody did for me was was really good, I thought. But let's talk about the couple winners that we had. Great to see Kayla up front winning again. I mean, she is an absolute scrapper. I love the fact, the heart and determination she shows to win these races. Um, puts herself in the right place on the last lap, Greg. I mean, she she went into second. She went into turn three in second place. Came out of there in second. Went underneath, I believe it was, who did she go underneath? Was it Max Van? Can't remember who she went underneath in turn four in the opening when? race. I, I mean, yeah, in the opening race. I mean, and it then, was just so much great you know, passing. In, on yeah, all yeah, what lap, right? So, um, but she ends up she ends up winning the race the first day, and I thought she did an amazing job doing it. She did. And then Max Van, you know, he, he got kind of hung out, you know, in, in a bad situation on race number one. Gus Rodeo came in there. A pretty aggressive, clean Max fan out. He looked like he was in a good position, so he's able to to make good in race number two. And I thought, you know, look, w- you know, we haven't really talked about it much, but the reality is that Max fan opens up the year second place, win win, and then gets disqualified. Yep. Uh, for for whatever illegal engine mods or whatever it was, and then I think that he's just kind of been struggling mentally to get back from that. I think that it was a really difficult situation for him when he won. You know the his very first race, which was Road Atlanta race two. Yakov had won the race. The flags come out. It was a difficult situation. I think he bounces back with a good win at VIR. Then the DQ, and now he's back. And I thought he rode a brilliant race. You know, in that race where Yakov finishes second, she gets the fastest lap of the race, which is a little bit faster than the day before. They're still not close to the track record at B. Yep. You know at at BIR that uh, was set last year on, you know, from the KTM and, and from uh, uh, Ty Scott, but great racing all around close racing for the most part, clean racing. I think 
for Gus it's Rodeo. Got, it's definitely gotten more scrappy, though, huh? Because you can think about how many times you and I have gone off the air, and we've gone like, man, these kids, they're, it's, everything's so close and bunched up, but it's pretty clean racing. But like at Laguna, we saw Relatively. contact. Yeah, yes. Laguna, we've seen some contact. And then here, it's kind of the same thing. Gus just made a big bid you know, going into turn 12, kind of a little bit of a Hail Mary and, and it didn't pan out and he collected backs pretty bad go, you know, in that last turn. Um, but we're seeing a lot more of that because why Greg, because the pressure of the championship of pressures, I, I gotta be, I, I gotta beat Cody. That's what all these guys are thinking. Gotta beat Cody Wyman. Gotta try to get closer to him. Um, and Cody's keeping his nose clean. He's making passes. He's not lollygagging oh, yeah. around by any stretch, no, no, but he's no. keeping his nose clean. He's it's, doing it right. And, and that's, you know, what I think some of his competitors are seeing. And, too, so Cody is good. It's good being in there because they're trying to emulate what he's doing. I know Kayla's talked about it before. It's like he's respectful. He makes clean passes. He makes passes when he feels like he's confident and can do it. And, look, Gus is 17 years old. He just made a mistake. You know? That's all I mean, he did. Gus made a mistake. Yeah. That is it. That is absolutely it. Gus um, is one of those kids where I'd go, yeah, he'll learn from that. He'll you know, learn he's from not that. Gonna, He's, he's yep. not going to be doing that over and over and over again. It's just not going to happen. No, nope, it's exactly right. And he's yeah, he's a, and he rides really, really well. All these guys, they all ride really well. I think when you watch Cody, though, he kind of will get himself. He kind of goes, he gets back in that pack of like fourth, fifth, you know, place. And then next thing you know, it's like he kind of finds a way to to kind of get himself back up there without making it look too frantic. You know, he kind of mm-hmm. like, and that's the mark of experience and. Cody will just keep rolling along. They go to Pittsburgh next. And, uh, I mean, I'm excited. We got That could be another championship that could go down all the way to the end of the season. In Stock 1000, what can you say? Corey Alexander on a roll, although this one I believe, and even Corey said it himself, <laughs> this yeah. one was given to him a little bit. Hayden Gillum had this race won. They had a red flag G-dub. And when that red flag came out, all the riders came in. I ran down just to go talk to a few people to see, hey, how are tires doing? How's this going? How's that going? Um and Hayden Gillum did a tremendous job controlling the pace of that race. On the restart, Hayden Gillum was gone again. And with about a lap and a half to go, or literally as they came across for the white flag, that the, they had closed up on him quite a bit. And boy, Greg, he had a problem with that Disrupt Racing GSXR 1000. Corey Alexander ends up taking uh, the lead going across on the white flag. And then sadly, a bunch of the other bikes. It was weird because Hayden's bike kind of, started running again. He went through turn one and two with Corey. And then next thing you know, it like shuts off again. And then you've got the likes of Brandon Posh, who we'll talk about in a minute. Andrew Lee, who took over for Michael Gilbert and is going to be riding that bike, I believe for the rest of the year. You had Travis Wyman in there. You had a group of guys uh, in that second group. that were kind of all battling for second that uh, battling for third at the time that really ended up being the battle for second uh, because Corey had the lead there. He held on. Brandon Posh, I mean, look, I don't even know what it is or what it was or how you write these stories, but obviously with what happened to Scott on Friday afternoon and the fact that Brandon was dating Scott's daughter, Brandon's figuring it out. Like when you talk to him in the pits, it's he's like, Jay, I think I'm getting closer. And he actually felt like because he'd never ridden at Brainerd and he'd never ridden a thousand at Brainerd, he kind of came in there with a clean slate of like, okay, I, you know, I have talked to him about some of the things that I think – that I feel like he needs to work on. Um, and he brought those things up to me and he's like, I don't know what it is. He's like, I just feel he had pace. He had pace prior to Scott's accident Friday afternoon. And you got to keep in mind, Brandon was on the track at the same time when that incident had happened. And, but Brandon already had pace. He looked great all weekend long. The fact that he could put things aside 
and go all day Saturday and then come to that race on Sunday and put it on the box for the first time all year long, man, I mean, I was, I was beyond impressed for him on that. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. A lot of motivation. He was very lost Friday, you know, in terms of as you would be. He, 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 yeah. I mean, obviously his girlfriend, her, you know, but he he told me that he was in the last couple months, he'd gotten to the point with Scott where they were like best friends. He was such a great guy to Brandon, you know, so a real difficult thing to see. And, you know, that's what racers do sometimes, man. You got to strap yep. on the helmet, get back to work to avoid it. And, and he did a great job, but I, you know what? I want to go to fourth place, Jay, Daniel Lewis on the BMW. Yeah. He had the second, he had the second fastest lap of the race. So your boy Hayden Gillum, who actually finished seventh, I thought that he was DNFing the race, but he actually no, he finished seventh. Yeah, he finished. He goes thirty-two eight eight one, and he was the only one in the thirty-twos. Yeah. H- however, the next fastest lap of the race was a thirty-three-two by fourth place Danilo Lewis, mm-hmm. and and he was right in the mix after that second start because he was okay in the first bit of that race, and then he showed up, and I was really impressed that that he was ended up being the. Well, the second BMW, right? Like Corey wins, and then it's him, and then Ezra Bobier in fifth. But I thought Lewis had a great race too for those last. Man, five I was driving. I was riding by his pits, and he's in an RV in the grass, and his bike's just sitting there on the grass. In this, in, and I was sitting there, and I can't remember who I had on the back of my scooter, but I'm like, what has happened to Daniel Lewis this year? Because he did really well in some races last year, and he was he literally hasn't been anywhere this year. And all of a sudden at Brainerd, boom, something clicked, something happened. He was up there with those guys in the Superbike race. He was up there in the Stock 1000 race. And if we go back just real quick, I want to talk about Andrew Lee just real quickly because, Greg, how many times have I said to you in the past on this podcast that it's more than just a rider that you need to be able to go up front? I mean, you need to have 11 times. No, at least 11,000. 30,000. You have to have a bike. You have to have a crew. You have to have a team. You have to have people around you. Andrew Lee's been struggling for two or three years because he doesn't have the money of a lot of that or the support to be able to go and ride like he did those couple of years. He won two stock thousand championships and he's been a little bit in the doldrums since then, but he's kind of found a team now and with Michael Gilbert, you know, racing. And I think that He's going to be he's going to be there for the rest of the season in the sense that he's going to be on the Suzuki. We've seen how good that bike is under Hayden Gillum's hands, but for Andrew Lee, who's actually literally come from kind of nowhere this year, he's been riding six sec six seven seconds off the pace in baggers, um, and nowhere to be seen. And for him to jump on this bike, I mean, Greg, he was fast all day Friday. He ends up third. So there were some good stories there. Danilo Lewis was was great in fourth. Ezra Bobier, he's impressed me all season long. Like. He's learning these tracks and motorsports exotic, a team seem like they've got big plans moving on for the future. Um, and That's so I, great. you know, I'm hoping that we're going to get to see Ezra more next year and maybe even with a teammate, um, depending on what motorsports exotic it does, but they've been a nice kind of, uh, I'd say that they're, they're kind of a, a, a very nice quiet addition to our paddock in the sense that they've done a tremendous job. They've gotten some great results with this kid and, um, but he's done, he's done really well. Really well. Travis Wyman yeah, had, had the, like four, sorry, four, yeah. four fifth place finishes this season. Bobier. Yeah. And it, he yeah, just and seems he, like, yeah. he seems like he's kind of knocking on the door. Right? And he's I think that nice. you're exactly yeah. right. And I think that if he comes back next year, he, he's going into that with this team, if, especially if he's with the same team, goes into next year with the same team, same bike, maybe they make some improvements, but he's going to come into those, those races next year with a big head of steam um, in the sense that he will be, uh, more familiar with everything about it, right? Even though his brothers won Superbike championships, he's got to find his own way of getting through, you know, kind of the stock thousand classes and move forward. He's another tall kid. 
The guy who took the big hit this weekend was Travis Wyman. Travis was bidding yeah. for a podium position there in race in the Stock Thousand race. He tipped over sadly. Um, he'd also tipped over in qualifying coming out of that little chicane area, and I went over to make sure he was okay, which he was. Uh, and then he had baggers races. Travis had a lot of things going on this weekend. So, anyways, he had an up. Stock, let's say he had an up and down weekend. He, had he an up definitely and down. had Stock an thousand, up and down uh, weekend. But, yeah, but he had an up on down. the other hand, yeah. So, Twins Cup, G Dub, give us Twins Cup. Twins Cup was a banger. I mean, yep. an absolute banger of a race between Corey Ventura on that MP13 racing, Blake Davis, and Anthony Maziato. And honestly, didn't know who was gonna who was gonna win that one. It ends up that Ventura. They ended up finishing in that order. With Ventura winning by three tenths of a second and half a second over Maziato. And that was just a good race. You had Yamaha, Yamaha, Aprilia, and it's nice to see that a class like this, which has got a lot of rules open. That on a track where horsepower didn't make that much of a difference, that the Yamaha is still a Yamaha. It still turns yeah. really well. Yeah. Corey Ventura was able to put it pretty much every, anywhere he wanted to. However, <laughs> Corey Ventura also <laughs> kept leaving the door open, right? Oh, he kept leaving the door open in this. Was and it, me. Corey it, was it crushing translated. Me. We didn't talk about it, but it translated into Super Sport Race number two, where he was he was racing. A GSXR 750 against his 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 team owner, his Twins Cup team owner's husband, husband. <laughs> and Josh friend is. and coach. And Josh had told him over and over again, if we're ever on the racetrack together and we're close, I'm never going to give it to you. And Corey left the door open again and missed the podium for the Vision Wheel M4X-Star Suzuki team. However, it was a good race between those two. We just didn't really touch there's, on it. There's racecraft that's involved here, and I watched the last lap of the Twins Club. I watched all Twins Club race, but I watched the last lap, and I was ready to throw my phone through the TV because it's like <laughs> I get so frustrated. I get so frustrated when I see things. Like Corey led, led going into turn three, and he was like on the left side of the track on the white line. I'm like – Man, protect that. Don't let anybody go underneath you there. You cannot let this happen. And and Chase Black goes underneath him. Now, the thing was that frustrated me more, and I don't know Chase at all. I, I've, I've, I've met him once, I think. Um, and the story that Heron told last week on the podcast about his missing tooth and all that was great. But yeah. when they went into turn eight, I'm like, Blake all right, Davis, Chase. by the way. Not, Blake Davis, not, sorry. Yeah. I said yeah. Chase Black. Blake Davis, sorry, Blake, sorry. The thing was is that what Blake did was – I had seen him run wide into turn eight, one other lap, and let guys go underneath him. And I'm like, all right, he's got the lead. Now all he's got to do is just park it in turn eight and roll around the inside. Just park it and roll around the inside. He didn't. He runs it in there again, runs very wide. And Corey Ventura goes underneath <laughs> him in turn eight. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, racecraft, guys. And, yeah, me and Hayes talked about it a little bit on Sunday night. We brought up Corey. And and, and Josh like, and Josh like, Jason, I told – because he was getting <laughs> – he you know, called as me the writing, too, and we were as the, right, as the writing it. coach. Yeah. And I'm like, Heron went underneath Corey Ventura into turn 12 probably six times. Mm-hmm. Like, he never closed the door once. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you got plus zero on your board. You know you got the big number four behind you. How much better would dinner have tasted if Corey would have beaten Josh Hayes that night or Sunday, uh, right? And instead, he opens the door again. And I'm like, I'm going in there, and I'm parking my bike on the inside. There's, I'm not letting Josh Hayes go by me. I'm going to. Do whatever I can to get to the apex of 12 and control. Let him crash me out. Let him crash me out. That's what I would have been saying. I am going to control the narrative of everything that goes on there the best I can. Corey didn't do it. I tell you right now, 
He's playing it over in his head a few times, I bet. Yo. But, hey, oh, yeah. two wins in a row for Melly's team on that R7 for Corey Venturi. Yeah. One at Laguna. They won at Brainerd. I think it's finally getting the results that they thought that they could get from the beginning of the year. They said they went and did a test, and it made some big uh, differences for them. So congratulations to MP13 and Melissa and Corey Ventura. And by um, the way, that that Revit Twins Cup championship, yes. Maziato took the lead over. It's He's insane. got one point now over Jody Barry, who had earlier in the season had checked out. So like that'll be another lead. Yeah, that'll be another banger that'll go all the way down to the last the last race of the year, I think. Yeah, which well, be good. And, and real quick, let's skim over baggers real quick in the sense that I don't really know what to think about it, to be honest with you. You know kind of how I feel about it a little bit anyways. But the race yeah. itself, dude, these guys are going so fast on these bikes. And I got to tell people out there, I want you to understand that a minute 33 lap time on a stock thousand is extremely quick. Greg said that Hayden Gillum did a 32.8 um, on a GSXR thousand was the fastest lap of the stock thousand race, a minute 32.8. These guys got down to 35s on baggers. <laughs> that is insane. 620-pound motorcycles. It's insane. Now, we're also seeing these guys crash more, uh, which I don't like. Okay, uh, we, saw, we saw Tyler crash in turn 12, fairly pedestrian. Kyle's crash was one of those high side off the insides in that challenge race. And I was laughing because I couldn't believe how quick the bike slowed down once it hit the dirt because that thing was chasing him. And I was scared for him because I'm like, man, I don't want this bike to start flipping and hit him. Thank goodness it didn't. But in the big race, you know, they started the race and then uh, Kyle was leaking some fluid. Patricia Fernandez crashed on it. And then obviously they had to clean the track. So our schedule was totally ruined on Sunday because uh, they had to clean the track. And then we had another red flag in Junior Cup. So both those races got pushed to the back of the, the day. Now, Greg, listen, without getting into it too much, because I don't know all of the things that lead up to it, even though you read the rules. Bobby Fong goes on and wins this race, which for him is great. Travis Wyman second, Tyler O'Hara third. It got red flagged again because of some weather. Um, Travis Wyman now leads the championship by, I believe, two points. So at that race, is th this championship's going down to the wire as well. They finish in New Jersey. The controversy of not letting Kyle start the afternoon after laying the fluid on the track. I, look, there's three or four different avenues i think moto america could take based off of the rules that you said and i'm not here to determine what i feel was the best or not the best you know rule the way i kind of look at it is the red flag came out the chances of kyle being able to restart the race if we could have restarted the race then he probably wouldn't have been able to make the restart okay so in a way i go I understand it. I do understand it. Um, I don't know if any of the reasons, because I haven't checked, so I'm just talking, and then maybe you know more than I do. I haven't checked with, were they angry because Kyle rode around the racetrack and put fluid on the track? Was, was, was that kind of the reason that they didn't let him ride? I don't sp suspect that would be the case. I look at it well, more as... They don't get they don't get angry about it. You know what I well, mean? Well, not angry. But not angry. That's a wrong word, maybe, but were they... He basically he held up the proceedings or or the situation held up the proceedings of the event itself. And we've seen this already this year. I think it was Road America. Well, that, that and, the, and the, fluid on, the fluid on the track, the fluid on the track also caused another rider to crash. Right. Correct. But, but the they, thing is, yeah. is like it's been done. The problem is, is that he was he did it at Road America. And I don't know what the so you had you had options to, to penalize. Right. One of them is fine. But. 
The fact that he's done it twice is more important than anything else. The okay, fact that he so you, you might know more than I do. I haven't even talked to Kyle about it. I know he was bummed about it. Obviously, this is a big championship for them. Um, but the thing is, is it's like, uh, I look at it like this. If they would have been able to clean the track in, say, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, I don't know everything that was wrong with Kyle's bike. I don't know. But would he have been able to restart the race if they would have got it? I don't think he, I don't think they would have had time to fix whatever problem they had is basically what I'm saying. So he wouldn't have been able to restart the race. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. It's almost That's like you go, okay, we've got to freeze the race. And this is part of the problem with, with what happened in Junior Cup. And there were a lot of protests filed after the race in Junior Cup, uh, of which I don't know the specifics of them. But I have Neither to read do I. the yeah, documents yeah. When, when I go. But a lot of it had to do with, you know, the fact that that they run half the race, they can't hold these bikes in Park Ferme for three hours. They've got to release Correct. them. Yep. And once they're released, they go out of control. So basically, you know, they said, okay, you, you don't have to run. This is Junior Cup. I didn't. I don't know specifically what happened in Baggers in terms of that deal. But rule is in Moto America, red flag. You can do anything you want except change tires. The only people that can tell you to change tires is Dunlop. And you know, and the only reason they're going to do that is if some crazy you know thing happens, like you know whatever. So the fact that they didn't, they didn't have to run stickers for this race or whatever, then I don't know. Look, it's kind of beyond my pay grade. It's not something I'm going to deal with until we get to the racetrack for next race, yep. because I'm sure that there's still things being sorted out. What happened with Kyle happened with Kyle. You know what yep. I mean? Like it's, it sucks for the championship and it definitely it sucks does. for his championship, but it happened the way it happened in Moto and not Moto America. They're not the ones that make the ruling. It's AMA, FIM who make the ruling. It's a separate group of people. Yep. It has nothing to do with Moto America. None of the partners are involved in the decision. Correct. You know, race control is not involved in the decision. It's something totally different. Yep. So it's it's a separate group. Yeah. Um, I feel bad. A- I feel bad because on one hand, I know how much you know it, it means everything to these guys to try to win a championship. And when you put yourself in a position to win a championship and you've done all the work, it's hard. And I so I get it on that side of it. Um, it's just a bad situation. I think yeah, all of it. But there was stinks, a there was a so. protest that was filed. Yep. And they went through the process. And Kyle, you know, from what we saw, Kyle was there, ready to go, just in case. And yes, they, you know, the FIM, AMA, whoever, you know, AMA, FIM, whatever, they accelerated the process. They got everything done, and it was determined that it went, you know, it went didn't go in Kyle's favor. Yes, so, exactly right. so it wasn't like you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, so so. The procedure was was done the way it should done. But anyway, look, of course Kyle's going to be upset. Of course Harley Davidson's going to be upset because they didn't get what they wanted, you yep. know. And yep. I get it. But these rules are in place for a reason that are that are above my pay grade. But anyway, so it's a three point lead going into the final race at Jersey. And is it three you know, or two? It's, it's three. Is it okay? So it's yep. yeah, it's it's winner. It's a winner take all situation, which is. You know, yeah, with, we heard with three points yeah. and, and five points with three points. Yeah, I just looked it up. So with three points going into the final, I mean, and five points, the difference between first and second, it's you, you get the feeling it's kind of winner take all, right? Like, no, yeah, so, nobody's even really leading the championship, are they? <laughs> no, not really, not really. And if both no. those guys were to not finish and Kyle won, which could happen in this class, if both those guys don't finish and Kyle wins, he wins the championship, right? Because he's twenty. Correct. Yeah, he's within twenty five points. Yeah, he's like he's twenty. Not completely 20 out of points, it. Twenty two. Right? So he's no, he's not completely out of it. Down. He's got to keep his head down. Yep. All right. All right let's, well, let's talk real quickly about some world superbike G Dub. They were in most in the Czech. Unbelievable race. I mean, unbelievable racing. If you watch any one of those races, did you get to watch them? All of them. 
Oh. Well, first off, let's just let's just address something. The worst turn one on the World Superbike calendar right now is most. It is the worst possible first turn you could have. It, it takes old Monza back into play. That had a horrible turn one. Nürburgring has a horrible turn one. Coda has a horrible turn one. Turn one at most is horrible. So has the opportunity of cleaning up most of the field, which it did on Supersport Race 1. Superbikes, though, G-Dub, <laughs> Wow. If you aren't impressed watching Top Rack every time he gets into turn one, uh, as bad as turn one is, he's incredible. Batista wins the first race over Rizgatiaglu and Scott Redding, who beat Johnny Ray. Johnny ends up fourth over Bassani, fifth. Locatelli, Rinaldi, Lekawona, a very, very sick Alex Lowe's. Garrett Gerloff rounds out your top ten. In that race, Greg, it was just, again, it was the three main pr- protagonists. Racing for the championship, but man, Scott Redding only was 2.6 back. That BMW team, what a big difference that those guys have made getting that swing arm and whatever else they've changed. In race two, G-Dub, it was Toprak taking the win uh, barely over Batista, whose Ducati, again, is just ridiculously stupid fast. Then Ray third, Redding fourth again, Bassani again fifth. And man, I, I don't know if you've caught on to it, but that little rivalry now that's coming between Bassani and Rinaldi. Wow. Yeah, Rinaldi, Rinaldi was, oh my gosh. That was on Sunday's race too, Greg. Um, Locatelli, Vierge, Odell, Mahias, and Bernardi end up 10th. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. And then in the Super Bowl race, Toprak wins that over Ray and Batista again. Rinaldi was fourth over Bassani this time. Those guys were getting roughed up with each other. Locatelli, Lekawona, Redding, Gerloff, ninth, and Vierge, I think. Talking about Garrett, G-Dub. I'll say this real quick because I know it wasn't really much of a talking point, but he practiced well. He qualified well. Second race on Sunday was the one that I think could propel Garrett back to kind of where we expect him to be. He was racy. He was race. He was sixth, and he was on the back of Bassani. He caught Bassani from like a three or four second deficit. Caught him, and he had a tire puncture. He had a tire go flat on him with like a lap to go. How about that? With a lap to go, he has a tire go flat on him. I was so bummed for him. Yeah. Isn't that what happened to Likawona too? I think he had a tire go flat. Did on he him really? Well this, Did he really? I didn't race. see that. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He pulled off. Um, yeah. No. I, I mean, look, the Gerloff thing. Let's see if this works. He's got now, unfortunately, he's got five weeks off because I think really you have a race like that. It's no fault of your own. You'd love to go right back on the oh track. Oh, my God. You're so right. I didn't even think about that, but you're 100% right. Yeah. The one thing I do know is nothing's been announced yet, but I have been assured that Garrett Gerloff will stay in World Superbike next year. So that right. is really good news for American fans. Yeah. I know I know what team. I know what crew chief. I know all this crap, but I you know there's no official announcement, so I'm not saying crap. But I'm excited that the World Superbike paddock looks at Garrett and says, okay, this is a guy who's got a ton of talent. He's got a ton of speed. He's broken right now, but we think we can hold on to him and we can help him along to, to get unbroken again. How can, and, you not? Um, How can you not? The guy's got yeah, talent. We know that. Yeah, so, and he's a good guy. He's a really good dude. So good dude. I, I'm excited for Garrett's future. I think once the once the word comes out as to what his future holds, uh, if the information I'm getting is correct, I should yeah. say. You know, I, I don't know 100% for sure. But, you're pretty but, sharp um, on it, this stuff, though. You wouldn't even say what you're saying now unless you kind of had a good inclination. Yeah, I mean, so. he's staying in World Superbike. And so I, I think that the, the change that is coming Garrett's way is going to be a great change for him. I think people are initially going to look at it and go, huh? 
but there'll yep. be more to the story. So I look forward to the announcement and talking about that on the podcast and, and, you know, getting him on obviously here. Garrett's Garrett's a company man. So, you know, whether he stays in the team he's with or stays with the brand he's with or not, he's not going to make any comments about it. If he, if he goes away from the team he's with or away from the brand he's with, he won't make any comments till the season's over. Yeah. So it's not like we're going to go to, you know, I'll, I'll reach out to him and see, but I'm excited. No, about no, that, at the end of the at the end of the season, at the end of the season, it'd be at great the end of the season. But Jay, you're absolutely right. The three guys up front, Razgat Liaglu, Batista, and Ray, are absolutely on another level. And Redding is now oh knocking. Redding, Redding is now knocking at the door, which I absolutely love. You know, he Me finishes too. what third, fourth in Super Sport race, and then uh, he he faded a little bit. You know, race race two or whatever, or Super Pole race. I mean, but race two he was fourth. The thing is, this championship has closed up now. As they go into the break, Bautista has 31 points. Ray is in second, but now Razgatlioglu, who was like 50-something points behind just two races ago, two race weekends ago, is now 38 points back and only seven back from Ray. But, Jay, I'm looking at Johnny Ray's bike, and I'm really watching that race. And the thing that struck me was is that being on that show of suspension, the front end of Johnny's bike looked like ass heading into turn one. I mean, it. You I know, thought it compared, looked better. That's really funny. I thought it looked better to me. Maybe it looked better, but compared to the, that's what they the worked on during the off season. Well, the bikes that are on the Olean's, dude, they got into turn one. Yeah, and Johnny had a little bit of chatter going in there, and I think that I, I you know, I haven't talked to him. I, I don't know if you have, but I have, I have to imagine that he was really frustrated because Top Rack. I, it, I just don't think it mattered how tight you went into turn one. It wouldn't have mattered. Top Rack's going there no matter what. And yeah, Johnny just didn't have a weapon to fight with. And if you look at like late in one of the races, I can't remember which race it was, but he, he got by Top Rack. He kind of drafted him up the inside. He got by him into turn one, but he, he, he was so deep into that ridiculous chicane thing in turn one that it blew his exit and then Top Rack got by again. And then it was kind of like, you know, I would love kinda, to talk to Johnny. And say to him, and maybe he'll text me because I know he listens to the show. I, I know he does. He he must be really bored because he listens to our show still. But yeah, um, I would love to ask him. I mean, I already know what his answer is going to be. It's a stupid question, but it's like, who has he raced against that breaks harder than Top Rack? I mean, for lap after lap after lap, as far as braking goes, it is such a hard, exhausting way to ride a bike, and Top Rack can do it for 18 laps at that track. He can go into there every lap, break as deep as he possibly can get the thing up on its nose and ride nose wheelies for a hundred yards. It seems like, and get the bike stopped and turning through the corner. Now, is it a characteristic of the bike? Could be Johnny's bike has gotten stronger there. The fact that Johnny passed him under the brakes in race two into that corner, I thought was uh, Johnny had to be smiling under his helmet when that happened of like, well, okay, I can actually do this. But the, the problem is Greg, like you said, in the flip flop from the right to left top rack was able to get back underneath him. And that fast turn three, that left-hander just looked insanely fast and fun. Those guys were like sideways through there. But I still feel, well, the Ducati by far and away is the quickest thing on the racetrack in a in straight line. I mean, if Batista can stay close to them down any straightaway, he can go below by him. I still also feel, I feel like Johnny's bike is the is the third best bike. And and now they've got to be careful. I don't think there's a question. Third bike, third best bike in the group of three. Correct. And now they got to be yeah. careful because the BMW is getting better. So I know. So now you go like Kawasaki's gonna have to make a step because they've got a guy on there that obviously <laughs> rides the you know what out of a motorcycle, obviously. But you can see him riding as hard as he rides, and 
man, it has got to be exhausting for him too because you're just constantly holding on. And you can't take anything away from Batista. Again, Batista's on a bike and a team, and he's taking advantage of the machine and the, the stuff that he has underneath him. Nothing wrong with that. Top rack, that team seems to make a jump. Man, there's, it, it, this, this championship's anybody's. 38 points from first to third, right, you said? So, yes. I mean, look, this thing's going to go anywhere. Um, and, and if you can get a few more guys up there in the mix – um, it could get really, really interesting, but, but right now I'd say that the Cowie is the third best bike on the grid and running the risk right now, potentially of being the fourth best bike on the grid. If BMW keeps on improving the way they are. So they don't race again until September 9th and 11th. And they're going wow. to Magni Core, right? Which, Where which top rack, top loves. rack is magic. Yeah. So six rounds left in that one, but that's just jumping ahead a little bit. So Really great. Please buy the world SB. Go to worldsbk.com and buy the pass because I think now that we're at the halfway point of the season, I think it went on sale for half price because I'm telling you, you're going to be entertained. This racing is, is ridiculous. It, it, you know, it rivals that whole, you know, people say, Oh, the the era of Troy Bayless and and Colin Edwards. This is amazing stuff right now. It's the best race. And you got three of them, not just two of them. People talk about MotoGP and how close and tight the racing is, and it's great. The greatest thing about MotoGP is this. Every weekend, it's different. Every weekend, there's somebody different. Like, every weekend, we go, didn't see that podium coming. You go back and you look at MotoGP, and they kick off again at Silverstone this weekend. You look back at the year at MotoGP, and you go, "Why did I would never have guessed that podium was going to happen, and I would never guess this podium. World Superbike right now, we do have three main guys that are doing their thing, but the racing is so good, so tight, so awesome. Three different brands, three different um uh like i said manufacturers that it makes it great so yeah i think it's going to be it's like i i I like the fact and i hate it for the riders but i like the fact that when we're going into turn one i'm holding my breath almost every time oh my god is this what's gonna gonna happen what's gonna happen he's so deep in there oh my you know look at the thing yeah anyway look at at the Uh, thing is that is that look at that hey hey, that's boston hey look at the thing hey hey Hey. dude speaking of the thing did you watch world super sport I did. Dude, it was awesome. Uh, Goethe gets cleaned out by Anchu, who cleaned out four riders. This is classic to me. Anchu is, he does it all the time. He just runs into people. But this time he ran into It's a Foglu guy. He's he's your boy, right? He ends up taking out four guys, like cleaning them all out, cleaning them all out. And what was so classic, dude, Goethe's never going to get an acting, uh, an acting, um, Oscar because. No, but he'll get an Italian soccer contract. He jumps up. Looks around and then just jumps on the ground again. And they're like trying to load him up on a – it's so funny. They're trying to load him up on a board and he's looking down the track because the riders are coming at him. And he's like, I don't want to be sitting here. So he stands up and like he's trying to get off the track. So basically, Dominica Goethe totally screws himself because he was trying to get a red flag thrown in race one so that he could restart, which is so lame to me. The guy had like a – I don't know what he had, Greg, like a 70-point lead or something coming in. And then they disqualify him from going out in race two because it was like – it was, you know, it was a bad decision on his part. It was unbecoming of him to be trying to pretend like he's hurt to get a red flag. And they were on it. They were on him about it. And they disqualified they were. him in race two. Baldessari yeah, wins. they did. And then Baldessari goes out and wins both races. Mm-hmm. Now it just completely cuts the championship down. So Baldessari is right there now. He's right there. 14, 14 points. points. That's sad. But Jay, not, not the first races. time you and I have seen someone oh, no. try to get... And, and there's been more than one, but... It's not the first time we've seen someone try to get a red flag out and stop no, a race. But our boy, our boy Yatesy is the guy that we always know. Like, <laughs> well, because look, at least the Gerda was doing it in a gravel trap. 
Yatesy jumped back into the middle of the racetrack and started doing a snow angel. Yeah, he did. That was too funny. Right in the middle of the track at VIR. I'll never forget it. I was dying. Just too much. <laughs> like, Gotta love Aaron, dude. I just love the guy. Me too, man. It was, so, I mean, luckily no one got hurt, but yeah, they had no choice. I mean, that was a crazy, yeah, not the first, not the last, but World Supersport all of a sudden goes from the Dominic Agurta show, which by the way, he goes second place. Then it's been win, 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 win. Yep. Right? Yep. And, but Baldessari has been there. It was like win, second, nothing. You know what I mean? Second, second, third, second, 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 second. Now go yes. win, win. So yes. Baldessari is doing a great job. He's got a lot of respect for Dami, as they call him, uh, Agurta and all that kind of stuff. You know, Bulaga, who's on that Ducati, on the same Ducati Josh Heron's on, is in third in the championship. He's had kind of an up and down season, but he's had quite a few podiums. He goes second place in race number two. So Bulaga's having a decent run at it. Not quite the Josh Heron run at it, but um, right. he's looking good. So World Supersport is, is entertaining. It is entertaining. Uh, it's it's entertaining and it's crazy and it's all those things and yeah. That's so good. that's it. Check out so, World, Super, World World Super Sport three hundred. By the way, is also really entertaining. But it was kind of a couple weird races. They had some sprinkles and this and that, and it's really hard to follow like all the craziness that goes on in that because I don't. I like watching the races, but I'm not like super invested in the. I'm in not all either. The I haven't been able there. to. I haven't been able to watch it as much this year. And I know there's some people that have literally come up to me and said, "Jay, we love that you talk about you know the the World Super Sport." Um, you know, 400s over there in this town. I'm like, yeah, I love talking about it, but man, I I haven't followed it this year. I just haven't, and I got I no. Not, but the racing's been awesome. It's been yeah, yeah it's been this guy, this crashes, and then this guy all of a sudden gets on the box. There was one guy though on. It was kind of like sprinkling, and he was like 16th place, and he won the race. Yeah, it was a red flag shortened race, and it's like tip of the cap. And he'd won a race before, but been struggling as of late. But Jay, like you say. MotoGP is coming up this weekend. I mean, from the MotoGP, time we're doing this podcast on Wednesday on Silverstone, yep. Yep. it's 22 hours and 18 minutes until the press conference. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, we're two days away from basically bikes on, on track again. No Mark Marquez. Looks like he's getting better. News is or word is that he's trying to get back for a test in September to test the bike. And it would be a 2023 bike. That would be a huge shot in the arm for... Uh, for Honda, if he can get on the test bike and, and start to have some input as to the future of that motorcycle, for sure. Absolutely. But uh, yep. in MotoGP, Quadraro is leading the championship 295 to 254. is right there with 250 points. I mean, is there an opening with... I, they have to have... How many races do they have left now, Jay? Uh, they got quite a few. They're halfway done, aren't they? Nine. Nine, nine. races They're a little over, left. A little over halfway done, and... You know, we'll talk more about Silverstone next week, but it's, you know, he's got the whole ride-through penalty bullshit that just stinks. You know, Raj comes up to me on the weekend real quick before we go. Roger, right. Roger Hayden comes up to me and he goes, hey, Jay, you know, what do you think about all this, like, race control getting involved? And I'm like, Raj, are you kidding? Like, it's the dumbest shit ever. Like, I hate it more than anything in the world. I hate it. And he's like, yeah, me too. You know, Roger, he's so great. Uh, but we were just talking about, like, just, like, the Quattro thing is so bizarre, but I don't want to get into it because it's going to start me on a rant. I'm having a good day, and I've got a big week ahead of me. So, yeah, let's just move we forward. We can rant next week. We can rant next We'll save everybody a little yes. bit of uh, yes. punishment. Yes, let's rant next week. All right, we'll rant next week. So that'll do it for the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for, for joining us. Bike911.com is the sponsor. Uh, and Jason, as always, has the last word out. G-Dub, I want you to have a great week. Everybody enjoy Silverstone on the weekend. I'm going to be glued to my TV watching it. And uh, 
We'll talk all soon. See ya.